everybody and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you uh, after a less than salubrious result against Atalanta. And to pick the bones of this one, first up in Berlin, we have Neil Patterson, um, furthest one away from me. How are you, Neil? All good? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh... That was interesting, wasn't it, Chief? Yeah, I don't know if interesting is the right word, actually. Sort of, uh, <laughs> fucking shite, I think, is what, fucking, what we're looking for. Dull as dishwater, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, uncharacteristically poor performance in the Reds, I reckon, but sure, um, something to cheer us up in this otherwise uh, bleak time. Well, shit happens. We've got to pick a bone side of it one way or the other. That's, That's it's, it. the, it's the joys of podcasting. And next up, I think... Andy, are you in Northern Ireland or, or are you in Liverpool? <laughs> Andy Bell, uh, in some location somewhere in the UK. How are you, Andy? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I'm in Liverpool. Um, so it's just been pretty much the same here as it has been since September. So I don't know it any different, really. Are, are, but, are, there, um, people, are, are there people wandering aimlessly about the streets like The Walking Dead after that? Or? <laughs> to, be honest, <laughs> mate, I, to be honest, mate, I haven't been out of the flat in about five days, I couldn't tell you. It's just, ah, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. it's, first, world, first world lockdowns, yes. You, you <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, and, you know, bars and pubs have been closed the whole time, but uh, Liverpool still managed to sober me up tonight. Come to Brazil, everything's open. Everything's normal during the pandemic. I'm a, ab- absolutely up for it. <laughs> and, 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 what, and it's summer as well. So it's, it's a balmy 32 degrees at the minute. And it's, right. what, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. Happy days. Couldn't beat it. And last but certainly not least, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, Dave Dunning. How are you, old bastard? <laughs> not as old as some, that's how I am. Um, but but catching but catching up. I, I don't think you ever catch, do you? Unless you like, do, because my, my, bir- my birthday's not August. You're now officially a year younger. <laughs> well, I, I think after tonight, I'll end up catching, fingers crossed, I'll end up catching Diego at some point or another. Um, oh, but well, you, you one would like to think you would surpass him at some point. <laughs> Being yeah, realistic, but I know. Um, so just for just so you, there, you don't you, you don't have it as a, a expensive a habit as he had. No, <laughs> that it that is true. I'm, uh, that is that is true. Um, so yeah, so 15 years ago, George Best decided to fucking cook up my birthday, and and uh, 15 years down the line, I've got uh, Diego decided to. Just remind me of all of the horrendous things that happen in the world whenever I turn 40 next year. Cheers, lad. All the best. Well, it is what it is. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a little chat at the end about Diego because he he, uh, he was a force of nature, the greatest I've ever seen, the greatest I'm ever likely to see. I don't ever, ever see anything different than that, but we'll, we'll talk about Liverpool. Neil, this shit show. I, where did I fucking begin with this shit show? Um... A couple of trains of thoughts on this one. Were they sent out to, to, you know, that a nil-nil was okay, and if we nicked it, it was okay as well? Um, 65 minutes of basically nothing apart from Steve McManaman wanting me to fucking punch the television screen. Um, and then all of a sudden, we our bench jumps to life, and no sooner have our bench jumped to life than we're 1-0 down. Uh, no sooner have we made the changes than we're 2-0 down. And it was just, it, it didn't feel like a Liverpool performance. You know, we come off the back of that Leicester result. We were all buoyant. Um, you know, albeit massive changes to the lineup, massive changes. A lot of inexperienced players put in there, uh, especially along the back line. 
with Matip and uh, Allison, sort of as as the regulars. But I don't we're crying too much about this. We don't. I think it's more a case of pride hurt rather than 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 a massive loss here. Well, what what what, what do you make of it all? Yeah, it's um, obviously it's disappointing first and foremost to to not get the job done, to not have the twelve points on the board, and 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 uh, have the group essentially won uh, after tonight. But obviously, um, having had the three wins prior, you know what that does is is gives you the opportunity to. You know, to be able to afford a slip up, and and that's what tonight was. You know, just nothing, nothing really worked. It it never got going. The lineup, the lineup's interesting because it signifies very much that you know there, there's been a lot of talk about the scheduling, and you know the manager made a you know made a fine point of it at the weekend, um, and not for the first time this season, and and he's not the first manager to do so either. But we are where we are in terms of that. We obviously have a game half twelve on 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 Saturday, um, which isn't ideal. And you can see from the lineup tonight that obviously that that is in mind. Um, obviously, we also played sort of late game on the Sunday, so it's kind of the worst of both worlds in a way um, for this for this game. Um, but. You could see that from the selections. So selections interesting in that you know obviously neither fullback starts um, Trent being injured anyway, and and Robbo just you know being given a rest and and coming off the bench. So you mentioned Samika starts there. Obviously then you've got Nico Williams who comes in in place of of, of where Trent would be and where Miller had played. Miller moves forward to to um, play in the centre of midfield. Um, Matip and, and Allison are obviously in there and, and you've got Reese Williams um, coming in for another game at, at centre-back and generally I mean you know first half you know first half things are I mean Adelanta I suppose have the, have the better uneventful I, th- yeah. I, I think uneventful is uneventful the word you're looking for prob- probably, probably the best word very very little happened they had the better of the chances I think I remember that one shot that Allison seemed to be almost surprised by, and then he just stuck his big paw out and just, you know, deflected it wide. Um, Love the boy's not... reaction after he saved it. He's like he yeah. couldn't believe that he'd saved it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, where did his hand come from there? Like, king. Um, so, so that's the one that sticks in the mind. But second half, yeah, I mean, I think they 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 just. They just exploited us. Uh, a little bit of inexperience at the back. Uh, I think, you know, both Nico and, and Reese Williams struggle at times. Um, Reese Williams was, was pulled out of position on, on a number of occasions. And, you know, it's it's to be expected. He only, you know, he's played, what, a couple of games for us before. And, you know, it's a big deal coming in and playing the first team in the Champions League. So I think that they just. Just exploiters. I think it's one of them. We're we're trying to make our substitutions. They're all lined up and ready to go. I think there are four of them that we make, and they've been on the touchline ready for about for a good thirty seconds to a minute, but we can't get them on. And then bang, they score. And then you know immediately the substitutions are made. And I often think that's 
sort of the worst thing that can happen when you've planned a, you know, off normally on, under normal circumstances, it might be a double substitution or at the most a treble substitution. Under these circumstances, it was four. When you plan a mass substitution and, and in that moment, you know, the, the scales kind of tip. So yeah, we come on. They they come on, and it never really changes. We never get a grip of it at all. We speed things up slightly, and it's it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more us, but it never quite gels, and um, we never really looked like coming back into it. So it's one of them you chalk down the experience. Probably with hindsight, you maybe you maybe start a stronger side, and just get it done first half. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely approached that with a a draw will do mentality because we definitely didn't play with the fire of that that we normally see. No, and Andy, you know, Neil mentions the, the draw mentality and the draw mentality is something that, you know, over the last couple of seasons has just not been in our locker. It's not, it's not been something we ever contemplated, but I think with, you know, that this whole COVID thing and the way that it's left football, you, I think it, it's it's a case of we're managing these games. We hear every manager complaining about the schedule and the effects. We see the injuries like we, we, they're irrefutable. Um, the injuries that are going on throughout the world of football at the minute. Um, you know, are, are we suffering from that? Um, is is that the thing that we're we're maybe downgrading our expectations uh, as a team and saying a draw will do when for what three years now we have been held for leather for winning everything and I know you I know you but you're very much on the on the same page as me I, I think that we're sent out there tonight very much with a draw would would, would be enough. and that would have been enough don't get me wrong but when you go out with that mentality sometimes. It, it, it backfires on you, and, and I think that was the case tonight. I think it was a case of backfiring. Yeah, no, completely agree with everything you've said there. Actually, um, in terms of being sent out for a draw, I think I don't think that like they were sent out for a draw tactically or set up tactically to get a draw, but I do think there were, you know, the team was as weak as it could have been while still being sensible, i.e., not throwing a, a Clarkson or a Kane or somebody in, or not rushing Thiago or Henderson back early, for example. Um, and it was one of those where I think, you know, I think ideally you'd always like to, to win the group. You know, you, you want to, of course, you can't get some stinkers in second place and that can always happen. But you do give yourself a much better chance. You know, if we if we do end up finishing second, you know, you're looking at Bayern, you're looking at PSG, you're looking at, um, at, at Barcelona, teams like that you could get, which is obviously a bit of a disaster in the round of 16. But I think I said this on the on the on the podcast on Sunday. Winning the group, it just, it's just not a luxury that we can afford to throw everything out at the minute. You know, if we put a full team out there tonight, guys are going to get injured inevitably. Um, there's midweeks for the next three. We were in a good position. We and still we, are. And we, we've kind of seen clubs, you know, the last couple of seasons in the Champions League as well, Andy. We've seen clubs' ability to gamble with the Champions League because it's not terminal at this stage. Exactly, exactly. And it's like... Even before COVID and even before this mad schedule thing, Klopp was already sort of complaining about fixture congestion, about the fact there's too much football. I remember when the the plans were brought in for a new Club World Cup that was going to be like 16 teams or something ridiculous. There were complaints about that. We all knew there was already too much football and now it's been condensed like, I don't know, maybe three weeks either side. So you're playing more or less every midweek and, and Klopp's right. You know, Klopp's obviously talked about fixtures before, as I say, but he's never really got his 
agitated about it, I think, as what I saw on Sunday with that post-match interview the Sky never showed. And I think you're just you're just seeing it like a you're looking at things and you're thinking it's very not like Klopp to put that team out tonight. To, when the when when the grip's not wrapped up to put that team out and and maybe you know tell them not to sprint, play for a draw or whatever. But you know we're gonna see sort of a different side of Klopp because otherwise we're gonna be left with with a completely threadbare side. And you know as I say, it's it, like it's not a big deal that we, we've lost that time. I'm not too bothered about it. I'm sitting here and I'm not that gutted about it to be honest. Even if we lose the Ajax next week, a win over Michelin qualifies us. Now, ideally, you don't want to be going out there having to get a win. You know, let's uh, be honest. You'd be you'd be more worried about losing to Brighton at the weekend than you would losing that tonight. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, like definitely. I I think um, I can't remember if it was said in the pre-pod or at the start of the podcast that it was like sort of fifty-fifty between Atalanta and Brighton. I I think it's you know eighty-twenty towards Brighton. I think you'll see a full team against Brighton, um, and he's just gone as weak as he can tonight, really. Um, to uh, as he can without, as I say, throwing throwing a mad throwing a mad one in, throwing a debut in or whatever. Um, and listen, you know, if we beat Michelin last day, even if we lose next week, now the question now becomes, do you go for a sort of ballsy lineup next week against Ajax or do you try and get it done? If you play a strong side, you could still lose it because Ajax are a good team. And then you're sort of in the doldrums there having to play another strong side. And like, it's just, it's just completely mental. I'm sure we're not going to get into the whole five subs or the schedule thing or the, or the Premier League in this podcast. But I just, I just can't believe we're in this situation. It's ruining games of football. It ruined that second half against Man City. Um, uh, before the international break, you were, you were seeing that second half and you were, you were thinking like it was akin to, to teams in extra time at the semi-finals of a World Cup. That's how dead on their feet the players were. And I'm not even just talking about the Trent injury with that. And again, tonight you've seen like Liverpool Atalanta should be tie of the should be tie of the round. It should be the one everyone was looking forward to. Um two free flowing attacking sides. And instead you've just seen a pretty dead game. Uh you've seen us go out with a with a weak lineup with the weekend in mind, happy enough with a draw. Uh and you know, teams can say all they want, oh, everything's revolving around the big six, everything's uh, you know, it, it, five subs gave you more give you more of an advantage. Sorry, but at the end of the day, yeah, there is this advantage for the big clubs, but we don't injure players because of it. We don't ruin football in this way because of it. And I've ju- I think just what you've seen tonight, just a, I'm I'm more annoyed at the fact that a, a potentially good game has just been needlessly ruined by mad scheduling uh, rather than what I am annoyed by the result. To be honest, I I can't disagree with any of that. Um, you, I, it is what it is at the moment, Dave. You know, it, it, I, I, I was watching a thing here and they were talking about Klopp and, and, and how he's head and shoulders above everybody at the moment in, in terms of management as a man. Um, you know, as, as a human being he, he, the, and, and the image he, he projects. But he, he, he's cutting out quite a frustrated figure at the minute. And I, I, sometimes I almost feel that these games and these selections are to, to, to doubly highlight the words, you know, as Andy said, the, the, the interview that wasn't um, broadcast by Sky, which was excellent. And, and I don't understand why Sky, well, I do understand why Sky don't, don't do it. But but you know what I mean? I think there's a part of this with Klopp, and don't get me wrong, I love to see the young guys get in the game, I really do. But I think there's a part of it in there as well where Klopp is saying, you know, this is how bad things are. I'm having to resort to this. I'm, I'm having to resort to maybe playing players in a bigger game like the Champions League, exposing them to that. It's, it's a wonderful experience for them. But we saw tonight it's to, to the detriment. But that's the hand that he's dealt at them and he can't do anything about it. 
Yeah, that is the hand he's dealt. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily selecting that team to prove a point or to make a point. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think the way that the games are coming at the moment, this is very much we're selecting teams on a game by game basis. We're not looking, we're not looking farther than the next game. And I know that the old party line is trotted out that, you know, we, we, we don't look any farther than the next game. Well, let me tell you, see the fucking uh, analytics guys and the guys that do all the physical conditioning of the players and the physios and blah, 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 and who determines who's in the red zone and stuff like that. They are determining who plays. Aye, they're playing they snooker, play. Dave. They're, 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 they're three shots ahead, four or five shots ahead. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um so the, this this game is based on this game's based on i think the, the lineups informed by by brighton being at half 12 on saturday and i think if that game's the four o'clock on sunday we, we might see a different team i don't i don't know but you know it's it's just i think it's just a massive opportunity missed to be honest that game should have been ajax now ajax next week or Mitchelland the week after, where we just rolled a load of boys out and they could be at 2-0 and nobody really cares because they've already qualified, you know? And I agree with Andy with the respect that that should have been a great game of football. It should have been a great game of football and it was anything but a great game of football. Atlanta came, they did a really good job. They played some nice football in and around the penalty area, you know? They've got some good footballers and Gasparini's a good manager and I think they've They've learned from the first game. Um, they've put measures in place. You know, Zapata doesn't start, which I thought was strange. Elitich comes in. I think he's just an absolute joy to watch. You know, he's lo- just just so elegant on the ball. He's one of those players that's just so aesthetically pleasing. Um, and they they do it. I think they do a bit of a number of us, but we make it pretty easy for them. Um, Origi, I think, is an issue. He has to play. Um, well, okay, if, if, if you look at if you, if you look at it, you know, like honestly, the damage was done by the time we'd made our subs. The damage, well, the damage was done, and it was really hard to do. I think his idea was, you know, we'll throw these guys on sixty-five. Give, you know, we're at nil-nil. Throw them on at sixty-five. Give us the impetus. We can maybe nick this one-nil. Yeah. I, Potentially, potentially. I think the guys that come in, you know, they they do all right. But you can see the issues. Williams is playing right back and there's a number of times the ball comes out to him and he takes a touch and he plays it square. Whereas I know if that's Trent, he doesn't even take a touch. He just slings it in the box and then we maybe pick up the second ball or whatever. But that's not happening. Simicus doesn't have the same kind of impetus down the left-hand side as, as Robertson does. You know, Robertson comes on and I think a second touch, he, he gets to the byline and puts one across the box and wins a corner. I know, but that's hard, hard on... on, on it is. Because, it's, because it's hard on Timicus, Dave. It's his second game and I get all that, yeah, but the thing is, yeah. he's not... At, he, he might get to something akin to Robertson's level, but at the minute he's yeah, not. But it's too, that, soon, it's too soon to say that and I think it's too too soon to criticise him, to be honest. No, and I'm, I'm, I'm not criticising him, Dave. What I'm saying is you're throwing a player in there at left-back that can't do what Robertson does and maybe it's for no other reason that he hasn't had the time with the squad, he hasn't had the training, he hasn't had the game time, but for, for whatever reason you want to point that and, and by no means am I saying is it because he's not good enough, he's not able to do that. Remember Robertson's first game? 
he's fucking all over the place. And then he's taken out for a number of months again, and then eventually he's put back in. So I can imagine it's a similar sort of situation there. The big, the big surprise for me was Origi starts, and um, I think he's very much a he's very much a number nine in every sense of the word. You know, we we can't link the play. It's not sticking up top. We can't get out. Every time he gets the ball, he falls over, and um. If that's Firmino, he's dropping in and making up the extra man in midfield. He's making it difficult for them to, to, to pick us up. He's allowing us to get out, and he's popping it off to Salah, Mane, Genie, whoever, and we can build from there. The surprise for me that if we were going to play with Mane and Salah either side, it wasn't Minamino. And I don't know what that says about him, but that, for me, tactically, I thought was a strange decision. For, yeah, for me, I don't really understand... You know, you mentioned there, Devok, and you mentioned sort of he has to play. I, I, I'm not convinced that he did have to play. I mean, well, do you know what I said that, Chief? And then I, I correct. I, I, I thought about it, and I thought, well, he didn't have to play because Minamino for me is the it's it's the sensible option if if you if you want to replicate. No, but but, but he's also he's also basis. he's also the future where as Devok clearly you know, and and, and, and it saddens me to say it, he's not. He's not, and it's a it's an odd one. I mean, unless he thought, I mean, he probably did. He obviously thought that you know there's some kind of something that the Divock can can give, which would have been more beneficial in the style that he wanted to play, or with you know with the system system that he was playing. But but it just didn't work for him, and Divock looked way off. He looked way off. Right, well, we, we we talked about it pre-pod, Neil, about Divock, and and you know it. it <laughs> His time seems to be over, and 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 if you put yourself in his shoes, you know Jota's come in and has uh, he's made a massive impact in in the short time he's been with us. Um, you know, I, I, I alluded to you know you see Jota coming on for any of the front three, you've absolutely no worries because the guy appears to be a top operator. We never really had that with Big Div because he, he's either fantastic and, and scores us the the goal that we need, or he's just non-existent. Yeah, I mean, he'd have he he still had the odd game where he was a bit you know semi unplayable. Like I mean, he was he was class against Everton last year, for example, where he gets a, the the two goals in the five two. If he's a uh, bit between his teeth, he's a and, useful. Yeah, and he's absolutely storming. But those games are so rare, and and you're right. One in ten. Like, one in ten. Yeah, tonight and for for a fifth like a, choice striker, one in ten's a, a hell of a fucking. Uh, not good enough. Like it's not good. <laughs> He um, but he played. He definitely played tonight like a player who whose time, who knows his time is up, who knows he's you know he's past his peak at that particular club. And for me, it was a bit of a surprise to see him. And for me, I want to go back and, and touch on I think something Dave done and said it was absolutely right. I think this was a team for the last game for the last game of the group, the second last game when you when you've already won. This match, when you've already got the 12 points on the board, and I, I would totally agree. I think we've, you know, I can see what Klopp's done, and it's not a big deal because we'll get the. But, but do you not feel that, do you, do you not feel that, you know, what he said about the media at the weekend? I he, mean, that must. It almost forces hand into that board. team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it almost yeah, forces it, hand into that team. It does. It does, in a way, unless he, unless he really tempts fate. And go strong in both games, and then he risks more injuries, and you know, then then you know it's a massive gamble, isn't it? 
So I mean, he's 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 erred on the side of caution and sense, and it does make sense when you consider that context. But otherwise, under any other, you know, under any other circumstance, this was a a, a big, you know, chance missed, and um, it was a you know a tad sort of jump in the gun. But I, you can you can see why he's done it but, because it, it's probably the Nate, this is what combination of of scheduling that maybe we're going to face in the next few weeks. So so maybe he's taking the hit yeah, on this and, and also go all in for Ajax. Yeah, you know, ultimately we've seen this before with the Napoli's and and, and you know the last couple of years where mm-hmm. we have been, but we've been you know it's 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 almost like. You talked about, you know, the lack of sprints. I think it was Andy mentioned the lack of sprints. And it was almost just like, let, let's just cruise through this one. And, and and it seems to be a sacrifice that Klopp is willing to make in the Champions League group stages. We don't we, we don't ever see it in, in the knockout phases for obvious reasons. No. But I, I think I think it's a case of all the, the the different components of the of the management team coming together and saying, look, we can afford to lose this game, but our experience with Man City over the last few seasons dictate that we can't afford to lose in the league. And I think that's what it all boils down to. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right in that Champions League is is a is one of those where once you've you know the aim of the game is 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 just to qualify, isn't it? And and yeah, top in the group as well is is always a bonus. But um, when you've got those those kind of points on the board, you know there is a little bit of of leeway there where you can't afford to slip up. And like I said, when you when you put the three wins, what it does buy you. Uh, is the opportunity to to have a setback and and tonight was definitely one, but um, I don't think we'll be crying over it too much. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it as a setback, really, Neil. It, it, it's a surprise result, a bit like Aston Villa. It's, it, it's a surprise to us. But then whenever you look at the personnel, maybe maybe yeah, the surprise is lessened. I had a little chuckle. Now I have to say, like just a, because it's not often we. You know, you see that happen to, to Liverpool, and obviously we are in the position we're in, and you'd think we're definitely going to qualify and probably more than likely win the group. Um, so it's not win the whole Liverpool. thing. Never mind a fucking group. I'm I'm winning. Yeah, so it was a, it was a little surprise. It was a little surprise to see the one nil, and then when it went two nil so quickly, I was just like, well, that, that's it. We're not we're not yeah. going to come back from that. And and we didn't really look like it. So it was just just one of those nights. You know, they they worked us out on the night and. The two teams, when they matched up 11 v 11, they were better in the end, uh, yeah. just tonight. So, one of them. No, and, and I'll come to Andy on this one. You know, Neil picks up on something there. And I, and I think this is, you know, when the changes were made, certainly there was a little bit better movement. We looked a little bit more, you know, aggressive going forward. But you never felt the goal was coming, Andy. No, and to be honest, I think I don't think the changes were anything to do with the game. To be honest, I think it was all about managing minutes. I think literally everything we've seen tonight was managing minutes. Um, everything Neil's just said there, and what Dave said before, like it all makes completely logical sense in a normal season. Of course, in a normal season, you're not going to go out when you've when you're only three games in and and not through the game, but you're you're not going to go out with that lineup and and risk that. However, you know. We talk about potentially playing that lineup against Ajax or against Michelin once we've got the, the group absolutely mathematically wrapped up. But like what we're forgetting is this is the first midweek back after players have played in triple headers and in international breaks. Some of them playing 120 minutes, some of them playing halfway around the world, some of them have had COVID and have been recovering from that. And like it's 
I, I just think, you know, you look at the the block of fixtures before it, where you had three really important uh, Champions League games. Well, two, Mitchelland, obviously, we play a bit of a mad team. Really important Premier League games, including against Man City. You come straight back, you're expecting a big test against Leicester. Didn't quite pan out that way, but we were brilliant on the night. And uh, I just think you're looking at that, and you're looking at basically a five or six week block whereby, um, whereby sort of teams, teams, we're just constantly playing good teams and having to get wins. And uh, yeah, in an ideal world tonight, you want to go out, play the full team, get the game wrapped up and have, have a nice couple of midweeks off and get, maybe get a look at some of the, uh, the young players or the fringe players with no pressure on. But it's, it's just one of those where it's such a mad, unprecedented season. Sorry to use that word, uh, where, we're forced into it and listen we will still be alright as I say even if we lose the Ajax if we beat Michiland even we can still win the group by losing the Ajax and beat Michiland if Ajax now allowed to draw like we're in such a strong position here we're in a position whereby um, it wasn't worth risking more injuries more fatigue especially ahead of the weekend I completely agree with you Dave and what you, you've said there about Brighton like it's all about getting the three points there we know that this isn't a normal league not not even talking about this season specifically it's not a normal league teams normally don't get high 90s points get 100 points you don't normally need that to win the league but you do in this league and i haven't seen much evidence to say we won't again but it's been it's been our experience since we've been challengers let's call it that you need 100 points to, to win the league or pretty damn close to it and you can't blame Klopp for that mentality Literally every game, Dave, has to be, for every 38 games, you have to go in as strong as you can. And that's just the way it is in this league now. You can't afford, like normally, in this situation, in a normal season, say five years ago, you know, after this mad scheduling, you'd be happy enough to go to Brighton and maybe pick up a point. Okay, you know, wouldn't be dancing in the streets about it, but it wouldn't be the worst result either. Whereas now, we know we've got this five-point gap over City and we want to keep that up. We don't want to let that slip due to sort of um, naivety in, in terms of, lineups and stuff in the Champions League so I just think they really were told to play within themselves tonight um you mentioned the changes yeah um I think they get the first goal just before the changes and then they get the second one straight after to be honest I, t- I don't think they really had any effect I think there were sort of half chances in the first half for both sides really but there was nothing tangible and then you're just looking at and I don't want to get stuck into Nico Williams because I do like him and I do think some of the criticism on Twitter and social media whatever has been harsh um but he At needs time, day. Andy. He's a kid. He needs time. He, yeah. He, he, he can still come good. Well, 100%. Firstly, looking at tonight, you know, you look at it and he hasn't had a great game tonight on the ball. The crosses come in from his side. He doesn't block the crosses. And okay, it's not the greatest. Uh, he didn't have the greatest game. However, what I would say is, is Liverpool fans have become like so entitled. And I think like there's a romanticism to struggle sometimes, you know, there's a romanticism around, oh, we went through the Hodgson years, we went through those years under Brendan Rodgers, and I think some fans mm. haven't got used to us being brilliant yet, um, they haven't, they need something to moan about, and it, it, maybe they're, they're just not used to this win every week, because it, it, looks, it looks cool to sort of go on Twitter and batter the players, and it's like, you're sort of a super fan if you go on and slag players off and give them abuse, it makes, means you care more. It doesn't at all, you know what I mean? It's no. this, guy's, this guy's young. He came in last season, did really well. I actually thought he did really well when he came on against Leicester on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, um, I'm with you. And he, 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 he's, he's doing well for Wales. And people seem to be just going off this one game against against Lincoln, which he won 7-2 anyway. And as I say, it's one of those where, uh, yeah, there's, there's maybe a bit of a romanticism about oh, we went through the Hodgson years and because people, well, certainly I'm not used to us, anything like this Liverpool side in my lifetime. 
And I think a lot of people, a lot of the sort of younger fans are the same. They don't really know how yeah. to how to act as a supporter when we're so good. So like tonight will be a massive deal and the whole Nico Williams thing is a massive deal. If it, Sorry, go ahead. If it, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, we've yet to reach the entitlement levels that we had in the 70s and 80s. We're, okay. we're a bit to go yet. Um, yeah. I, I, I watched a thing, I forget what I think it was BT Sport, one of, the, one of the things, and they were talking about, you know, is this a great Liverpool team? And, mm. you know, being older, the, you know, one league and one Champions League doesn't really cut it in the great scheme of, uh, of what it constitutes a great Liverpool team if you've been through that 70s and 80s period because that was sustained winning you yeah. know I, I, and don't get me wrong I see it with this team I don't uh, don't get me wrong all the all the ducks are in a row for this to become a great Liverpool team but they, they still need to win these things and they need to do it and you know they, they, they need to win back-to-back championships for example which I think we're going to do uh, don't get me wrong, yeah, I, I'm yeah. very, very confident this season that, that, that we're, we're more than capable of doing that. <laughs> but in terms of entitlement, if you get around, like, you know, if we lost a game before Christmas, it was a fucking steer's inquiry, you know? It was like, yeah. The, the I, like, I think, I think what, what you're saying there about, uh, just, just quickly in that, um, like, the word great, it's kind of like the word legend in football. Like, it's it's not the it doesn't have the sort of definition you'd expect. So you, you know you talk about Liverpool's greatest player. I think that's a different question to who who was the Liverpool player. Yeah, that you, was, there you go. I've answered it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so like so like for me for me the player with the best purely off raw quality in my lifetime. Bear in mind I'm only 22. The, with purely off raw quality, the best player I've ever seen play for Liverpool is Luis Suarez. But he's not the greatest player I've seen in my lifetime. You know what I mean? It's he's uh, not Kenny Dalglish. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's just difficult. And yeah, I think to be to be a great side that that does that's almost only half to do with quality. It's to do with longevity. It's to do with success as well. And I think they will get that. But I under, completely understand what you're saying compared to like the teams of the seventies and eighties. You know, the weekend I had Kenny and Ian Rush sitting in in in, in the, the uh, director's box, and you, you know Rush's goals, Jesus, you can like, I mean, he he was just a force in nature. Kenny Douglas was something special as well. You know, we we have had we've been blessed through the seventies with some of the finest players, and and what's more, they were all basically from the British Isles as well. There was very few, you know, it was it was a very much a homegrown team as well, and there was many scousers in it. Um, whereas that's you know football's changed it's now very very much an international sport and so on, but you know I I, I see in this team and, and look I have absolutely no problem with what Klopp did tonight, um, absolutely no problem. Um, you know there's a the, the, you call it project big picture. There's a bigger picture here. Um, I still fully expect us to be in the semi-finals at least of this Champions League. I still expect us to win this league at a canter, and I'm, I'm, I'm nailing my colours to the mast today. And, and it's not because we're utterly fantastic, and it's just everyone else is just not at it, and they're just not looking near it. Um, we've, bro- we've, we've broken Pep Guardiola completely. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've fucked his head. I, you know, it, it, it's really, really hard to see any other team challenging us. And, and, and albeit we're stuttering, albeit we're not at our full power, we're still more than enough and far too much for anyone around us. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, like I saw this morning, we're seven to one to win the Champions League, which seems absolutely obscene. You know what I mean? I know European. Because we'll wipe the floor with Bayern. I would, t- you know, you, you, I think it was in our group recently. We had the, we had the, con- and this is how bad this game was. We're fucking off on this tangent. You know, mm. would, you, would you prefer United in the last eight or Bayern Munich? And I take yes, Bayern Munich yeah. every, a, a, every time. I would take. I think that was, that was me. Yeah, that, that, that was oh, me. Maybe but, in the case but, for United. But, 
Because yeah. I think over two over two legs, and, and, and this is no detriment because they're a great side, but I think we're better. And I think also, if we are faced with a Bayern Munich, we raise our game to a level that's not emotionally tied or emotionally handicapped by what United would be. And, 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 that, and that's what I mean. I think that we would be much more professionally driven against the top European side than, than an English side, if you know me, in the Champions League. The, um, difference, the difference between that is, though, that other European leagues help their teams out in Europe, whereas we don't, and that's what could kill us this year. That happened pre-COVID, and that's even more happening now. And I've seen a few shouts bandied about Twitter saying, you know, there'll be no English sides in the, in the last four of the Champions League this season, and I completely understand it. Only this Liverpool yeah. team's so great. That uh, that we're, we're we're even sort of debating that because it's Jurgen Klopp's Jurgen Klopp's Reds have a habit of putting two fingers up at comments like that. That's the beauty of it. I know, I know, but but I understand where it's coming from. Is what I'm saying, just because as yeah. I say, team, other Euro, other European teams, they their leagues always help them out. They're still doing it um, with, with this season. European teams are helped out because other teams sort of like to see. Um, other other leagues like to see their teams do well in Europe, uh, whereas we don't really obviously have that in England. Don't get me wrong, I'm the same. I don't want any of the, the other English teams well, to win. I, 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 th- I think our league cup bars that kind of protection. Our league cup throws. Dave, up. can I Dave, can I come in on a few points here, just um, because I've, it's I've your been birthday, you can do whatever you want. I've been listening <laughs> away, and and there's a lo- there's a load of interesting stuff you've talked about. Cool. I think the I think first first and foremost, I fucking love the United in the last eight. I'd love to get them in the last 16 because I think we'll absolutely fucking smash them the same way Country we did. Madrid. Country protection, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> listen. Sorry to be nerd. Mate, we will absolutely destroy them. We'll humiliate them. You know, we humiliated them at Anfield last That's year. That's what we've been saying for two years, David. It's never happened. Hum- we humiliated them 2-0, humiliated them 2-0. We humiliated them in the Europa League as well when we drew them. But that's by the by. I think the... I would have said scrape past them, Dave, not humiliate nah, them. Nah, we did humiliate them on performance. I think the 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 Premier League teams not... I don't think the Premier League team will win the, the Champions League this year. And I think it's for, for everything that you guys have said that we don't, the Premier League doesn't help their, their sides in Europe. I, I remember when I asked... And we'll stick two fingers up at that, Dave, and win it. I'm confident. Well, do you know what? I hope so. I hope so. Um, I think that... I think when Ajax played Spurs in the European Cup semi-final the year we won it, um, the Dutch League cancelled an entire week of league fixtures, not just Ajax's fixtures, an entire week of league fixtures in order to accommodate them. Fuck's sake, that would never happen in England. And that's just a, a microcosm of the issue that there is there. Nico Williams, right? I hate this. I hate this social media horseshit because um, Klopp mentioned the other day that players read newspapers. And he's right. And players read newspapers, they read websites, they read social media. And Nico Williams didn't have a great game tonight. And do you know why he didn't have a great game tonight? I think is because everything he did was super safe. Everything was the safest. It was the safest thing. I don't want to cross the ball. I don't want to play that square pass. Maybe, maybe he was like, following instructions, Dave. He was following I don't th- instructions. I don't think so. I don't think Klopp would tell him, don't cross the ball when you're in that position. And it was know. complete contrast to how he played against Leicester when the shackles were off and we were three 0 up. Like, well, you know, exactly. Like when he's him as a player. Yeah, when when he when we're three 0 up and he's on the pitch, or when we're two 0 up when he comes on the pitch, um, and we're we're absolutely dominant. Um, it's a different story. But I would bet my fucking bottom dollar that 
social media, the, the the impact that social media abuse, if you wanted to label it that way, has on footballers, especially young footballers, is, and I'm going to use this word as diplomatically as possible. It's not diplomatically, but as it's inhibiting. So I'm trying to be really kind here. It's inhibiting his performance in the pits due to the fear of what will happen if he does something horrendous when he gets home. So, you know, Adrian, Adrian has got worse every time he's played because he's got more social media abuse every time he's played. That's the way I see it, to be honest. So, is yeah, it, he takes a pitch, is he it, takes a pitch is in it, a state of fear. Is it, anything uh-huh. new? It, is it anything new to being in the ground and getting the boo boys? I mean, it, isn't it well, just I, the same thing? It's they, just they go away started. after 90 minutes, Neil, and, and, and they don't exist yeah, anymore. I mean, I, if no, you, you can, can you can set up a Twitter I, account and batter the... Yeah, literally, that, that, that's the exact so, point, because people in the ground are 10 times sounder than the average person on social media. Well... I would also yeah, say, I mean, Chief, based myself, on they that, understand you, football, Andy. They understand football is the point you're guys, trying to make. Guys, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I have, I have seen players fail based on the abuse that they've got on the ground. A hundred percent. So, so, if, so, 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 so not, you extrapolate not, that. If you extrapolate that over a social media platform, can you imagine how much more difficult it is? So this is the point. This is the point. It is what it is. Social media exists. Boo boys in the ground exists. Players have to deal. And that's the way it is. And if you're a top level player with the right mentality, you'll manage it. And if you can't manage, you don't have the right mentality, for better or worse, you won't quite manage it. And, and unfortunately, that's life at elite level sport these days. That's something else that our society has created that these lads have to deal with. Is it right? No. But it is what it is. Uh, Do you know what, mate? You're hundred percent. You're hundred percent right. The thing that frustrates me is that I I don't understand what Liverpool fans hope to achieve by 100%. abusing their own players on social media. I don't know what because they're Johnny come latelys. A lot of them, in a lot of cases, they're Johnny come latelys. I, I come still, on the back I, of this success and can't deal with the most minor of setbacks. That's, yeah. well, that's, that's what probably it what it is. I think we've got to. I mean, we've got this sort of a wider point, but, you know, within the club, I'm sure they, they try their best. They have counsellors and they have, you know, sports psychologists and psychiatrists and, you know, every every possible piece of help there, every, every possible means of help there for the for the players, for the staff. But, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is when you when you extrapolate it over something like social media, it could, it could be anyone. Yes, people who purport to be fans, perhaps sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's fans of other clubs. Sometimes it's just, you know, and a FSG out still exists, and that, that just anyone, makes the point. Yeah, but makes your point. FSG out is a thing 100%. still. Imagine. There's got to be there's got to be real social media management now going on within clubs as well, and I'm sure there is because you know clubs all have now their own social media pages and how to deal with it. But the the point is on on Nico Williams is why anyone why any Liverpool fan wants to stick the boot in to to someone who you know has to, you know has to has to have their chance has to sort of make their way 
has to finding be. their way. That's what that's what he's doing. He's finding his way, Neil. Yeah, and has such huge shoes to fill, boots to fill any time he steps on the pitch because he's automatically and instantly compared with Trent, who who by the way is a generational talent. Um it's 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 absolutely mad. I mean he's played a handful of games. He did really well at the end of last season and he hasn't done so well at the beginning of this season. Oh, who would have thought young kids have ups, ups and downs when they come into a side? And for him to be the target of abuse just shows how good either, if it is Liverpool fans, how good Liverpool fans have it that they they have to find that to kind of kick off on. And if it's others, then, you know, at the end of the day, just should be water off, off a duck's back because you're always going to get people. You, 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 you can understand that you can understand that, Neil. Do you, down, you know, especially on something like social media that's so out there. You know, he, he came off Twitter, didn't he? I mean, there was all that. And yeah. So he should, because I don't think young... You have to be... You know, if you're an elite-level sports person and you put yourself out there, elite-level anything, and you're putting yourself out there to be shot down, you've got to have the right mentality to dig with social media, I think. I don't think it's... Fair. It's interesting you say that. It, it's interesting you say that, Chief, because I do think it's a it's a personality issue. And I think if you look at the... Maybe not a direct comparison, but the closest comparison that you'll find in that Liverpool squad right now is Curtis Jones. And he seems to have all the self-belief and, like, Teflon personality in the world where he just doesn't give a shit what, every, what anybody says because he knows how good he is. And that is mm-hmm. the sort of... That's the sort he of... He proved mentality. me wrong, Dave. You know, well, if he proves you wrong, Dave, then there's no fucking higher praise than that, then, is there? You know, <laughs> so, so, um, you know, I, I, th- I that, thought he was brilliant at the weekend. I thought that that's the first time I went, that's a Liverpool player. Do, do you know what? This is an interesting conversation just to just to move away from this social media scenario is that I think this constant, um, and I heard McMahon talking about it tonight, along with all of the other pieces of shit that come out of his mouth, that, oh, oh when Alden puts on an orange shirt, he can't stop going, scoring. Why doesn't he score for Liverpool? Oh, because he doesn't need to. It's not because he doesn't need to, Steve. If he did any sort of research at all, it's because he plays... Steve McMahon had nothing to commentate on, so it left yes. him bullshit. I, I understand bullshit. that. I understand yeah, that. He, but he, probably, he literally gave a second-by-second second commentary on Robertson getting undressed, literally for about two yeah. minutes. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. even funny. I, that, I'm, not, I'm, not even, I'm not even like exaggerating here or whatever. I actually muted the TV, and I never... I'm, I haven't... I've, that's the first time I've ever done that. Literally watched about 10 minutes on mute. Until Robertson had come on, and he'd stopped giving that. Like, and he was talking shite all night. But, but he checked, they he really checked himself. They're a very poor duo, those two. I mean, I hate your man Fletcher. He just got uh, it. He's, yeah. yeah. I actually makes him look good. I actually turned the commentary off and put the radio on, only I gave up because it was like about 45 seconds behind the game, which was just even more annoying. But the point in the midfield is was, Curtis Jones. And I said this. I said this a while ago. I think um, we expect him to be that player that scores twenty fucking seven goals or whatever in the reserves. But you're being asked to do a very, very different role in that Liverpool midfield, and we're just probably going to have to come to terms the same way we have to come to terms with Wijnaldum being called a phantom and stuff like that, which is nonsense. The same way that we're not going to see Naby Keita's box to box goal scoring exploits that we did for Leipzig, that we're not going to see Curtis Jones doing what he did against Everton once every three games because playing in the position and the role that he does in that midfield, he'd be lucky to get 
six, seven goals a season. Are we agreed? Yep, because that's not what he's for. And that's not yeah. what the role is. But it's, ni- it's, ni- it's the, nice to know what's in his locker. Yeah, see the other thing on Wijnaldum, like, he used to sort of play a bit more of that position for us. And I thought, I think he's been a lot actually better in his new, in his new sort of position the last, uh, I think it's sort of, it's the start of, what was that game we beat Palace 2-0 on a Monday night? It was the second game. Was that 17-18? Maybe it was the season after. But he comes in and, he, and that was the first time he'd sort of done that retention job. And I wasn't a big fan of Genie before that because he was always having to be the sort of one that threaded the ball through or be that third man to link the uh, midfield and attack. And then when he sort of came back, and I don't know, like, at, at Holland, maybe he's a bit more freedom, but you are also playing like Belarus's and Estonia's and all as well. And that's not to take away from what he's doing, but I just do think this is his best position. Uh, and yes, he can look like, um, and, and this is one of the things that I don't want to come back on it, but like what I was saying, Dave, about the social media was yes, there are boo boys in the ground. Yes, there's this, there's that, but there's nobody is, uh, there's nobody's booing Wijnaldum just because they want Thiago to get transferred in. There's nobody giving Nico Williams stick because he maybe played badly in a game would beat Lincoln seven two. It's so amplified on it, you know what I mean? And and just on like just on one album, I think the job he does for us, I don't think what he does for Holland uh is necessary that would necessarily work in the Premier League because you've far better quality, you've far more staunch defences, et cetera, et cetera. Um and I think he sort of did it didn't didn't play quite the same role. Um but he did it for a while when he came in to Liverpool uh, and a lot of people got a lot more frustrated with him than what they are even now. Yeah, that, that that's fair. I feel like he does. He used, if you remember that old midfield, the Brexit midfield, the Milner, Henderson, Keeney midfield, he's literally doing what Henderson, he was doing what Henderson's doing now, where Milner was doing what he was doing and Henderson was in the six. So he did it more and like when he's, And when you, when you think about it, I'm, you know, on a night like tonight where we end up looking blunt and nothing really works and it never gets going, it's it's not really a bit of wonder because none of our creative players are on the pitch, really, are they? Neither full-backs there, no Thiago, no Kaida. Um, you know, you've, you've you've got James Miller in there. Um, it, it's a more work. You've got not starting your Firmino on the bench as well. Yeah, so you've really no... You've no guy there, particularly. It's, it's more... It's more functional out there and of course you've got you've got the likes of Mo Salah uh, on the pitch but you know there's not yeah, the really thing room. is Chief, there's, there's yeah there's no point having Salah and Mane there if you don't have this fucking supporting cast you've got, yeah them. you've got nothing for them to work yeah. with nobody, yeah. nobody I, I think there, there was a very interesting thing in, in Klopp's presser before this game where he spoke about Firmino and he talked about an orchestra and how many instruments in that orchestra that Bobby plays and how important he is that we're talking about his goals. It was actually a Brazilian journalist put it to him because uh, Bobby's flavour of the month down here at the minute because he can't sco- stop scoring for Brazil. Uh, they finally paid attention to him. Uh, and, and, and Klopp's answer was absolutely wonderful, you know, about an orchestra. But Bobby plays several instruments in that orchestra. That's how important he is. And, and I think in creative terms... He, he he is head and shoulders above anything in world football at the minute, Bobby Firmino. And yes, like that commentary I watched on on the weekend, you know, oh, he's missed that and he can't get a goal for love. But what he was doing, what he was creating, his little touches and whatnot, when, when you don't have that in a team and you're used to it, it's very difficult for us to look slick going forward, I think. I think Bobby Firmino is the key to everything. See, the other thing, Dave, there is that Divock's playing nine, 
He's just playing nine all, the whole game. So there isn't that space for, for Salah and Mane to get central and get on the end of things and get their goals. No. So that, that, that's, that for me... There's no service. He's not creating the space up there for those two guys. He's not dropping in the midfield to make up the extra number and outnumber them and like the pair together. And, and he's not linking either. One of Mc McManaman's best observations of this game Must was, win. I think it was... There was a stage where uh, Davok put a big loop ball over the top uh, into the 18-yard box. Oh, and yeah, that's flicky uh, up in the air one. If that was Firmino, it's direct defeat. And I think that, that there's a microcosm of, of, of the difference um, of, of what we're talking about. You know, Firmino, he, he, he's just on another level of, of understanding of the game and, and, and being miles ahead of the game, thinking ahead. And, and you lose so much. Um, when you take him out of that and you put a Divock, who is a traditional number nine, nothing more, nothing less, it's what you're going to get from him. And and and, and I think it's maybe unfair, you know. Like I, I love Divock after all he's done. Like he's 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 cult hero at Liverpool, but but sadly it looks like his time's over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's one of them. I was surprised to see him start, to be honest. Um, we you know we've done him, done maybe a bit on him anyway, but he 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 didn't uh, he he didn't um, mark the manager's card for a for a start at the weekend. Like did he? he was he was no no. There's no fucking way in this earth he's gonna play at the weekend. And there was no link whatsoever there, and you know it it just shows you the the massive difference it is now having having Jota. Yeah. So what do we see at the weekend? Choice. Just 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 very briefly. Um, does. Did, did nobody think like that was the perfect game for Minamino tonight? That would have been the first yeah, time that, that that would have been the first time well, I think I, I, it was I a strange omission. If you want somebody to come in and do what Firmino does, um, the closest you can get to it in our squad is to Kumi Minamino, and he hasn't had that chance. And he mustn't be doing something right in training because, like, he hasn't had that chance to play centrally Absolutely. with Salah and Mane, and that's what I want to see. And that was a perfect opportunity to see it tonight. And I, I really I, I don't think get Andy, what he's thinking. With Klopp, it's about trust. And I don't think that Klopp at this moment in time has the full trust in Minamino to come on and do... You know, don't get me wrong. It's not that he's been bad for us. He hasn't. But he's not been that player that we saw at Salzburg that came to Anfield and went, fuck. No. 100%. But, but the thing is, you know, there are, I'd say there are quite a few players in that squad tonight, or that starting lineup tonight, that he didn't necessarily trust. The fact was, he's he clearly wasn't that bothered. Um... Well, he, he was bothered about losing, but he, he clearly, it's not the most important game of the season. Uh, yeah, and I just thought, you know, it's a perfect opportunity. Because, you know, Mino Mino, and I agree with you that he, we haven't really seen much from him, but I thought, like, even in that Lincoln game, he did very well. He was impressive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's the type of player who, you know, you, you think back to, like, Firmino. If Firmino's playing with, say, Shakiri on one side and somebody else, Adam Lallana on the other, Firmino needs that pace around him. And I think Mino Mino's the exact same, because Mino Mino's not that quick himself. And any time he gets a chance, it's it's sort of with the fringe players. I thought that was a perfect opportunity tonight because we've seen him on the left, we've seen him on the right with Salah and Mane, but that's where I think his future is if he indeed does have a future at Liverpool. And I just, um, yeah, sorry to sort of interrupt as we're going on to talk about Brighton, but I, I really just did think that was a perfect game for Fly. And that's the only qualm I had with the starting lineup. Well, we're we're not going on to talk about Brighton. We're gonna we're gonna leave that game behind because it is what it is. It's done. Dust. We're I'll say we're winning the Champions League. Don't worry about that. Um, before we move on to Brighton, I, I would just like to go round the table and uh, 
you know, we, we lost, as I say, one of the, if not the greatest player to ever kick a ball in, in Diego Maradona, a genius of his time. And just you, you, your 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 favourite moments, uh, uh, you know, or what stands out. Yeah, and probably won't be fucking football, that's the problem uh, with Diego. But, you know, we've lost one of the great entertainers of this world today. And, you know, I, I think he did very well getting the 60, given his lifestyle. And, and Dave, I'll come to you since your birthday. And because you, you have a habit of losing these fucking one magnificent fucking players on your birthday. Um, what, you know, what, 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 what's, what's your takeaway of Diego's life? Uh, this time next year, just, Kenny, just don't leave the house. All right? Don't leave the house next time next yeah, year. All right. Kenny. He's, 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 he, Kenny's Kenny a COVID. He's cried in his sleep last night. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Stop it. No, Do you know what, man, I, so so listen, I, I, I'm a bit I'm a I'm a bit younger than you uh being kind. Um and you know you I love think that. Me, yeah, totally. Um <laughs> for for um, I don't know, I don't know what age group listens to this podcast, if anybody, but um I didn't see a lot of Maradona. We don't have the same access to um, we didn't have the same access back then to footage like we do now. YouTube and things didn't exist, and we couldn't go and watch like Messi when he was four running around a gravel or a clay pitch in Argentina somewhere. So the first memory I have is the glittery, that iconic image of of um, Maradona in the in the '94 World Cup, where he's like off his face after scoring that goal, I think against Greece, where he smashes it into the top corner. And it was one of the like I was like acutely aware of football at that point, and acutely aware of who was who. And Maradona was like he was he was the who of all the who's at that that point in time, and that was a name that I was like, I get to see Maradona play. I get to see Maradona play, you know. It was like absolutely amazing because you didn't get that opportunity at, at that time in like the early nineties. No, it, it made it, it. It made it an event. It, it, it made, made it re- an event. It made it really, really special. That was why the like the European Cup used to be a whole lot more special. Um, but that iconic image, watching like a, a like an overweight, half crocked smacked off his face Maradona still looked like the best player in the pitch it's just something yeah. that you just never ever expect to see ever again in your lifetime the way that football has now morphed into you this never will. U- uber professional sport yeah and, you know the, the guy was obviously he's in that echelon of the top you know 10 players that have ever ever played the game and There'll be people who argue that he's he's number one, number two, number three. Mm-hmm. But you know, we all have probably, our choices. We all have our picks. We know. all have our preferences, and and football is a subjective sport, and it's some football's you know a lot of time a very personal thing, and I can totally get on board with that. But I think you'd find it really difficult to argue that he wasn't in the top three players to ever grace a football pitch in the history of the game. I'm on board with that. I appreciate that people have their own choices, and you know, like certainly the old guys here in Brazil, that you know, they they despise the fact that Maradona maybe thought of higher higher than Pele and so on. I think it, I think it, it's very age centric uh, on these things, 
but I don't think Andy. I'm really curious. You're as you, as you stated in this pod, you're 22 years of age. What is your what has your experience? Because my my my, my own son I was talking today. He's 24. And he doesn't really get Maradona. I'm just, I'm just curious about what, what your thoughts are on him. Yeah, no, I get him. I like, I, I, I really enjoy sort of the stories about it. Obviously, my dad's told me a lot about him. He was the guy growing up. I think my dad would, would have been 16 at the '86 World Cup. Um, so he was that. He was that player that sort of uh, made him fall in love with football. So I've heard the stories about him and like. Just, just some of the videos that I've seen today where uh, that I haven't seen before. For example, there's I don't, I'm sure you guys have seen it where he's like he's doing the warm up, but that I, well, I can't even remember what the song's called. It's playing because like life. Yeah, he's dancing with the ball on his head. And he's like a better dancer than me. Six pints in, you know what I mean? It's like I just I just think he's, he's South, South, South Americans have rhythm. You can't get yeah, away from that. Yeah, yeah, and and just yeah. I mean, I've seen clips. Uh, it would be wrong of me to sort of take up any more time really with it. But obviously, like a complete legend, and as as Dave says, we'll never see it before. But the, the one thing I do want to say is, you know, the, you know, the hand of God. Um, I, it's not actually that obvious in in real time that he's done it. Like he disguises it really no, well. No, no. People talk about it as if it's like the worst decision of all time, and of course it is a referee and clanger. But you watch it in real time, and you, you don't really notice. You, you, you probably watch it and think there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, Andy, uh, do you know what? My Andy, my dad always said that Maradona was just that sort of personality where he thinks that he probably could have headed the ball over him if he wanted to, but he thought it was more fun to punch it into the net. Yeah, Dave, that that that's you've got you've got to take into account the South American mindset, which is I mean it's fucking off the charts, crazy, and and, well, yeah. and still it's, and even it's, it's even in Brazil, get, it's almost it's almost there's there's more gravitas given to getting away with cheating than cheat, doing something amazing. Oh, you cheat you cheat your way to the top here. You cheat your way to the, you know, like like young kids if the money down in Brazil, they pay other kids to do their exams for them. They're, you know, it's and, and nobody bats an eyelid. It's it's life down here. It's it, and and you know, even in Brazil, the hand of God incident would be considered. Ah, oh, he got away with one. Ah, it's great. It's great. You know, where 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 the British stiff upper lip is like, oh my God, we've been robbed. <laughs> and well, it couldn't like, have yeah. happened. It couldn't have happened happened to a better country, to be honest. For any well, country to be fucked over in that way, particularly by Argentina at that time, or a better goalkeeper chief, if we want to go under that. And, 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 and you've got you've got to factor in, and you guys are probably too young to remember it. By the, by that stage, they you know the BBC probably had 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 England winning the World Cup at that stage. Of course, as, they as always, because they they'd gotten through the first round, and they and Gary Lineker scored a hat trick against Poland. And they'd, they'd lost they'd lost their first game, I believe, and you know Ray Wilkins had got sent off, and they were right up against it. And then, of course, they pull it out of the bag, pull it out of the fire against Poland. And uh, of course, then England are winning the World Cup, and along comes Diego and and Toodaloo. And Schultz is still fucking raising about it, as your as your tweet suggested or as your screenshot suggested earlier. But yeah, I mean, well, ho- hopefully, hopefully that is a fake account because that was disgraceful. Like I'm honestly. Sure. Sure it was, but yeah, anyway, it, it, it is it is a fake account. Um, but one last thing I sort of want to say on it, like one of my favourite uh, football moments is Suarez against Ghana in the World Cup in 2010, and I can only imagine that sort same sort of thing happening to England. I think it'd have been out forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 
it, it was absolutely it was absolutely gorgeous. The only thing that was sad was that it had to happen to Ghana on on that occasion, like because they were a good team as well. But um, but yeah, fuck them at the end of the day, and certainly fuck England. It didn't. I I I didn't lose any sleep over that. I mean, I was just about <laughs> coming of age in 1986, but but more so when it was a, a video that my my mate had it. Um, which we watched actually a couple of years later. It was like, you know, it was the official film of the 86 World Cup. I think it's called Hero. <laughs> and it's basically, uh, you know, uh, an ode to Diego Maradona. But of course it has like, has some of the matches in and some of the goals and the story of it and whatever. And you, you do, you get World Cups where, you know, you have done in the past where certain players kind of take them by, you know, Take them by the scruff of the neck a wee bit, like you've got the Paolo Rossi World Cup, and you've got the you've got the Scalacci World Cup with with uh, Italy again in in 1990, and you know Ronaldo in in maybe 2002 in Brazil. But I mean, I think this is is the World Cup that was purely defined by by one player. And the goal he scores and the way he manages to drag that Argentina team, which which isn't brilliant. It's not terrible, like, but it's not brilliant. It's not a terrible team, Neil, to be fair, but it's no, not it's a World not, Cup winning team. I think that's not, the, that's the point that needs to be made. It's not as good as the West Germany team that it beats in the final. No. No. It's, 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 like it's, it's not Brazil 1970, let's put it that no, way. But, but, but the, I think the thing is, with Maradona, regardless of what you think about him, pulling guns and journalists, fucking doing lines of coke, fucking alcoholism, all the things that followed his career. I think for me at my age, I think the stature in which he's held in Naples and the time that he was in Napoli, uh-huh. when when Italy and, and Syria ruled the world, and it did rule the world, it were the best players. It was it was fantasy football. Uh, it was like football manager. It was a league of football manager. And he was the top, the very, very, very pinnacle of that. And, and that speaks that's, for... Yeah. I think that's the, Sorry, the, the one the one sort of um, regret for me is I saw very, very little. It got the chance to see very, very little of, of his club career. I mean, the only but we deal. all did, Neil. Even, yeah. even at my age, we were so limited. There was no streaming. There was no internet. There was no fucking mobile phones. No, and there was you no were, coverage. It, no it, coverage. It was sport. It was sport. Sports night on BBC Two with Harry Carpenter, and as I say, you got the odd South American qualifier where he would just bam, just blow your mind. But you know, but at, at even the, in ninety, even in the World Cup in ninety in Italy, the fact that basically the semi final is Argentina against Italy, and it's in Naples. And Naples is basically support turned against the Italian team. Yeah, it it, it speaks absolute volume. And then, then you move on, and and you know, right right up until recently, he was uh, the the coach of gymnasia in in Argentina. They used to bring a thrown out. You know, <laughs> Klopp sits on the bench. They used to carry this chair and do away games and everything. This is what he, uh, uh, his funeral will be something to see. Um, you know, you sprinkle in the the national sadness of Argentina. I can't even imagine. I know a lot of Argentinian people who live here, and, and you sprinkle in that uh, South American South American emotional incontinence. This is going to be <laughs> this is going to be a sight to see. But we we have lost not not just football, but I think sport has lost an absolute giant. Uh, that we'll never see the likes again. And maybe there's a lot of people who say, thank God, we'll not see the likes again. 
But on and off the pitch, he was something very, 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 very special. And, I, and, I, and we won't see the likes of it again. I think at that point, we'll probably, probably leave him there. And, and, and rest in peace, Diego, you know, he... he uh, for me, he made World Cups. He just made he, he was he was box office. He just nothing else. Probably I've seen more of him than, than anybody here in the panel. He, he was just box on. I, I don't have words. He was exceptional. You know, you talk about Messi. Messi's the, the the ultimate pro and all the rest of it. But he couldn't do what Maradona did. But on to Brighton, Chief. Give me a give me an overview of what you think. Full. Uh, here's 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 my spin on it. Full, full blown, best that we can put out there, and we fucking blitz them first twenty minutes. And, and I keep saying this, we we'll blitz them the first twenty minutes. I, I just see an annihilation after, especially after what's happened tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on it that um, that tonight was, you know, the team was pretty picked with with Brighton in mind, and certainly, you know, Andy mentioned everything that we saw tonight was was you know managing minutes and. The subs were made when they were in a block, and you can probably deduce from that sort of a rough lineup, particularly when you maybe factor in that we could have the likes of Trent maybe pushing for a start or for the bench, maybe Thiago coming back in perhaps. Um, the one interesting one is going to be whether Joe Matip starts because that'd be three games in a week if he does, and the word was that that he couldn't do that. So I don't know, maybe maybe that wasn't. True, the word was he couldn't do two in a week. Well, that's what, what everyone was saying, but he stays on for eighty-five minutes tonight, like so. Um, so we'll see. I mean, if, if he if he does, then great. If not, then there'll be a change in, in the back forward. Imagine. I don't know what you think, but I'd I'd imagine it'll be probably a Phillips in there, maybe alongside a Fabinho. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Sort of um, what what. Um, what transpires at centre back, but I would think Salah starts, given he only plays forty five tonight, and and he he, um, he didn't play at the weekend. I think uh, Bobby will probably start, given that he again starts on the bench tonight. Jota probably starts because he's on the bench tonight. Um, yeah, midfield we're not one hundred percent sure because of. Um, because of the situation, maybe regarding Thiago, whether maybe whether he'll come back or not. But I'd imagine probably Curtis Jones gets another start in there. You'd probably say Genie gets another start in there, and then is is Henderson back? Is Thiago back? You know, that's uh, that's a question mark. Um, back four, obviously. The the, the old midfield game's getting very hard to judge, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was always difficult, but it's uber difficult now. Totally, because you don't know who's fit and who's not at all, and and it's always somebody else. Obviously, Naby's probably ruled out now this week, so no chance of him coming back in, even though he he played well for the standards. Was on the pitch, yeah. Typically. But that's normal. That's that's become the norm, sadly. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally can't disagree at all, and it's par for the course. So. You know, um, it's we'll be strong anyway. We'll be strong anyway. We'll, we'll have more than enough to beat Brighton, and we should really go out and you know take it to them and get the points. Um, it's very easy to forget about tonight if we put another three points on the board on on Saturday morning. So let's go out there and do it. Really, uh, no excuses. Brighton play pretty football, but ultimately they're shite in both boxes, and we should have too much for them. 
speak your mind there, Chief. Why don't you? Andy, <laughs> I think Chief's really closed the door on us all there because uh, I agree with him. Uh, we should be winning this, but I think it's just a midfield and maybe a defensive conundrum. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I never actually sort of thought about the the matchup thing, but we have heard that before. They can play the three games. Um, I wouldn't be particularly keen to throw a Williams or a Phillips in doing away Premier League game, so I think he will play again. Uh, and that will maybe be down to the fact that obviously he has had he didn't go away with Cameroon. Obviously he's retired from from international football pretty much since when he signed for Liverpool. Um, so I think he'll maybe go again. It's interesting that Milner plays ninety tonight. Um, because you're looking at right back, and unless with something up our sleeves with Trent, where he, he comes back in and starts the game straight away, you're you're stuck between either James Milner, he's played 90 minutes twice, um, so he's you're you're asking him to, to go again three starts in the space of what six days, uh, less than six days because it's half twelve versus a, an eight o'clock on the Sunday, um, and that that's just the only thing you know if we're if we're either playing a Nico Williams there, he obviously struggled a little bit tonight or James Milner who won't be able to give us what he gave us against Leicester um, it's just not possible really at, at his age with the energy levels but you know there, there could be a tactical thing Brighton do there where they're able to sort of shift the ball out to the, the right hand side which is maybe slightly weaker uh, especially with Salah um, only just back as well um, but they've not, they, they're have they without Tariq Lamptey as well who I think is a really good player he got sent off last weekend there uh, I actually think he's the second best right back in the league after Trent uh, that's how highly I rate him I think he's really 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 good uh, in both can't argue know, with that <laughs> and you know I think that's a massive thing for us that he's that he's not playing so you know it's uh, pigs and troughs we're, we're both not in an ideal situation at right back but uh, I'd say it'll, it'll hurt them because I think he really is their he really is their best player whereas we can cover for it as we've shown over the last week so yeah I think you go as strong as you can um, how that affects Ajax and do you do you go a bit ballsy against Ajax and go for a similar team to tonight risking it going down to the last day or then do you do you go strong again and risk injuries it's just it's just a mad conundrum I'm, I'm glad I'm not Liverpool manager well hopefully hopefully Thiago and and, and Hendo are not too far off Dave what way do you see it uh, birthday boy I like Brighton I think they're good I do agree with you so they are shaking both boxes um, <laughs> but you like them <laughs> I, I do like them I, I, I do think they're like I think they're a couple of players away from being top Decent. half I, do, I, do, I genuinely do I think they're a couple of players away from being top half but you know those really good centre halves and those really good centre forward unfortunately they're hard to come by so that's kind of the, the, the sticky wicket that they're in um, yeah and they're pricey as well, Dave. I think. That, that yeah, like you, into... even look at you even look at what Aston Villa like something something in and around thirty million pounds for your man Watkins from Brentford. You know that that that's where they're that's where they're looking. Um, so yeah, uh, I think I always worry about them. I think they're decent, but then ultimately, I think if you look at the last two or three seasons, we go there and absolutely trash them at least two out of the last three years. Um, so I don't have a lot of concerns. Back four, I was surprised as well. Miller started tonight. I didn't think he would be able to do three games in six days. And um, I presume that he probably will. So you're probably seeing... He'll probably get a long rest after that. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 know, you, you might see him do 60-65 and Williams get the last half hour. I don't know. Uh, but you're probably going, you know, Milner, Maddox, Fabinho, Robertson... Who you know what's mad? Who who starts? Who starts in the front three? He might just go four. 
but and literally he might just go for because of the issues <laughs> that he has. But he might. But seriously, if he has to get eleven players in the but pit, it's a wonderful dilemma, Dave. It's so, a wonderful dilemma. It, to- it totally is. But I think what I think what he's doing is he's com- he's compromising the system for the availability of players, and I don't love that. I don't love it, you know, um, because. The simple fact of the matter is we, we don't have time. We don't have the time and the training pitch to go and get the four two four or whatever bizarre permutation of, of four attackers um he's playing down in the training ground. They just don't have the time. So you're kind of you're kind of as as Rogers liked to say, and uh, you know I love to quote Brandy, Dave, in your disapproval, but you're kinda, you know, flying the plane while you're building it, so to speak. Um with that Four attackers just go up there and do do like loads of amazing stuff. So yeah, um, I don't know where Thiago is. I don't know where Henderson is. Um, whether they'll be risked or not, a question. If if they're if they're not risked, then I don't expect to see them for a further week. I wouldn't expect to see them during I action. I think this is the real but, but, but Thiago alone. Thiago alone is another podcast and by itself. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. I think this is I think this is the real frustration because you see that team see that team tonight in an ideal world is maybe Kaida, Oxley, Chamberlain, um Maddox yeah. plays because yeah. Gomez and do, do you know what I'm do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they all and know just, uh, absolutely and then we're we throw the, them all back we're in. A different so, world, Dave. Yeah, so th- this has that this bizarre knock on effect. So um uh, and, and, yeah, and we don't think, have a habit of losing two in a row either. So I expect I expect nothing but a win. I expect a reaction to that. Our, one thing about our players, they don't like losing. They do. They do not do losing. You know. No. It's, no. It, it's been drummed. It, it, in. Do you know what? Do you know what? It's not. It's not the worst thing in the world that we lost that game before going into Brighton. So, I expect three points. I expect a good solid, maybe three nil, and we'll just. I'm going to put a pin in it there. Right. Well, here we'll leave it at that, guys, because uh, we've rambled on uh, a little bit, um, and it's getting very late at night. So, so we'll leave it at that. Listen, thank you very much for your time, guys. As always, a total pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much to the listener for tuning in to us, all one of you. Um, and until after Brighton, when hopefully we're celebrating three points, up the misfiring Champions League Reds. <laughs> <laughs>